Welcome to the Revolution Church Podcast. Before we begin, we'd like to remind you that our ministry is supported 100% by listeners like you. To make your 100% tax-deductible donation today, please visit revolutionchurch.com donate. You can also learn more by clicking the donate section on the website. Well, welcome everybody. It's uh, been two years since we were last here. Yeah, and uh, kind of weird, a little bit nervous, I didn't think anybody was going to show up today, so I'm glad some of you did. Um, this is the earliest revolution has ever met, in the his- in 20 some odd years, this is the earliest we've ever met. It's like we're, we're competing with all the real churches in Minnesota, which is tough because there's super liberal churches in Minnesota, so it's not like they need another liberal church in Minnesota. But uh, here we are. Um, I have a tradition. More people are coming in. It's just amazing. <laughs> um, sit anywhere. You're welcome. Make yourself at home. Um a little tradition of a, uh, my, when I start a revolution, and this is kind of the restart because I've been doing this online, but kind of meeting in person again. I do a, uh, I, I do I do my my first sermon, which wasn't the greatest sermon in the world, but it morphed over the past twenty some odd years, so. Feel free to follow along. <laughs> I think I'm the only one with the Bible in this room, which is true revolution fashion. Um, so we're going to... I'm just glad you guys are here. It's good to be back. It's uh, I, It's been two years I have had a son, uh, getting ready to move, and... You know, I had some mental health issues, suffered from a lot of depression, and went through a whole lot. And I like to be pretty transparent about that kind of stuff because I think it's important. Um, because we all go there, and we all have dark times. And so I had a bit of a dark, dark time, but you know, a lot of you have stuck there with me, and I've seen some of you in different places, and I appreciate that. So, um, Ephesians is where I'm going to be at, Ephesians 2, 8, 9. For grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not your own doing. It is a gift of God, not the result of works, so that no one may boast. Now, what always kind of blew me away about this scripture is, because for so many years I was really perplexed by church. I, uh, Growing up in religion and and Christianity seemed like such an exclusive thing, and it seemed like only certain people were in and certain people were out, and it seemed like it had to do with how good you were or how bad you were or whatever. It just seemed like there was all these rules and regulations. And uh, all of a sudden, I remember I reading this scripture, and it said, you know, it's grace, and it has nothing to do with you, And you can't boast, which means, you know, brag. You can't brag about it. And I thought about, you know, 
imagine a church or imagine a faith of Christianity where people aren't bragging about their faith. And it might not be like, oh, I'm a Christian, this is awesome. But it's stuff like, you know, when we see Christians on the news or we see Christians yelling in the street or we see this and they're kind of saying, oh, well, we've got the best thing, you know. And you've, you're not, you don't add up. And that's, in a way, bragging. When we brag, when we talk about what we've done and this kind of thing is we want people to think that we've done something that, you know, that they can't do. And that's often to me how Christianity has come off, is a thing about, well, we've got something that you don't. And that's not supposed to be about that. And also the false humility. That's the other one that gets me. Because there's another type of bragging. There's that. Oh, I'm, I'm, just, I'm just a sinner saved by grace, you know. Oh, by the mercy of God. You know, and you've got all that too, which can be the more Minnesota way. Uh, the pa- the passive aggressive oh, i'm just i'm just blessed you know and uh depending if you're uh free will or calvinist then it's even weirder cuz then you're like oh i'm just chosen by god humble old little me <laughs> if you're calvinist um if you're arminian then you can be like well i just decided to grasp myself out of the flames you know, whatever. It's, it's, it's unattractive. It's something that I've never understood. And I really have always been blown away by this. By this, you're saved by grace, not by works, so no man may boast. Grace, free gift. You know, it's given to us freely. And for me, it's been one of those things where I've become an inclusive minister over the years. I don't believe in hell, and I believe everybody's going to heaven whether they like it or not. If there is a heaven, oh, um, you know, you get rid of hell, you start questioning the afterlife. But, you know, I think what's important is, is not just life after death, but living life before death. And I think that's something we often miss in, the, in faith communities is living before we die and, you know, creating peace on earth, you know. Wow, imagine that. Imagine loving your enemy as yourself here, you know. So, you know, I think there's that old country song, you're so heavenly minded, you're no earthly good. And I don't want to be that. So, honestly, I don't think a lot about post-life. I think a lot about life and a lot of the worries and a lot of the suffering and even my own doubts and, and questions that I have. And uh, I think we're, we all have areas where we, we're in the here and now. And so it's important to live in the here and now. And that's why there's, I think grace is such a beautiful thing. But I'll get into that a little bit more in a minute. Luke 15. Um, I want to show you how this kind of grace thing worked for Jesus. In Luke 15 it says, Now all the tax collectors and sinners were coming near to listen to him. And the Pharisees and the scribes were grumbling and saying, This fellow welcomes sinners and he eats with them. So Jesus was constantly eating with people that people said were separate, that were sinners, that were wrong, that didn't belong. Um, And we hear all about that. 
But sin also is something that we get caught up on, and it's a strange word. And I wanted to kind of share with you a little bit from someone much smarter than me, uh, Paul Tillich, which you called on the phone yesterday. Someone was like, you can always use Paul Tillich. Things go bad. I was like, oh shoot, things have already gone bad. Um, Paul Tillich was definitely a, uh, he was a 1960s theologian philosopher and uh, probably one of the most influential theologians of the 20th century, whether whether you know it or not. Um, He was on the cover of Time magazine in the 60s when it really meant something to be on the cover of Time magazine. (laughs) You know, so pretty cool guy. Um, have, Have the men of our times... Okay, have the men of our time still feeling the meaning of sin? Do they do, do they, and do we realize that sin does not mean a moral act, that sin should never be used in the plural, and that not our sins, but rather our sin is the great pervading problem of our life? Do we still know it's arrogant and erroneous to divide men by calling some sinners and others righteous? For by way such division we can usually discover that we ourselves are not quite belong to the sinners since we have avoided heavy sins and have made some progress in the control of this or that sin and have been even humble enough to call ourselves righteous. I find that to be hilarious. But I'm going to jump back to where he says, Do we still know that it is arrogant and erroneous to divide people by calling some sinners and others righteous? Now, Jesus got this when he was sitting with these folks. And um, in Mark 2, I was up all night last night with a cough, so that's why my voice is a little hoarse. I get nervous, and then the sickness comes. Um, Mark two fifteen, it says, And he sat at dinner at Levi's house. Many tax collectors and sinners were also sitting with Jesus and his disciples, for there were many who followed him. When the scribes and the Pharisees saw that he was eating with sinners and tax collectors, they said to his disciples, Why does he eat with tax collectors and sinners? Now they were really upset because to sit down at this time, in biblical times, it was a Jewish tradition. If you shared a meal together, you were building a covenant with them. So he was building a covenant. It wasn't just like, you know, oh, I'm just sitting down having dinner with some people. It was, this is a bond. And um, it meant something. When Jesus heard this, he said to them, Those who are well have no need for a physician, but those who are sick. I have come to call sinners, not the righteous, but, but sinners. Now, the translation I grew up on was the New Living. And I like that translation for this, this, one, this Bible. The New Revised Standard Version is more accurate. But I like the way it translates in the New Living, and it says, um, I've come to call sinners not those who think they're good enough. And I like the idea of, is that if somehow we think we're good enough, you know, you've got that bragging again, that boasting, 
what are the Pharisees and the Sadducees saying? They're coming up and going like, why is he eating with them? And Jesus is saying, well, I'm not here to call people who think they're good enough. I'm not here to call the righteous. You know, and Jesus came for all people. So he's saying, I can't really get into the righteous because you think you've got it all together. You think you have it. And they followed the law. And at the time, the reason why Jesus came and changed the law is because Christianity changed a lot. The law was like, all of a sudden it was like, the law could separate us, you know, by what you did. So it would be clear cut, like, well, I know I'm good because I do this. I do this on the Sabbath. I don't do this. I don't do that. And so it's, it's you know, we're, we're separated, you know. And these people don't keep the Sabbath, so I know that they're not right. And, this, and Jesus come and changes all that. And it's not that clear anymore. And so it's like this amazing, all of a sudden Christianity is like this amazing, like, oh, well, you just can't say who's in and who's out. That's why there's no room for bragging or anything like that is because there's no official, these official rules anymore. Now it's love your neighbor as yourself. Love God with all your heart. You know, you're saved by grace, not by works. You know, the law is okay, but it's not what, you know, it's not what gets you, gets you there. It's not what, why you're accepted. And so it's this whole new world. Um, so looking at the law that it separated the people into good and bad, you know, and that's what Tillich was saying back here. As where it says, do we still know that it's arrogant and erroneous to divide people by calling some sinners another righteous? I mean, it's complete arrogance, but we do it. I mean, the church is known for doing it. If you ever go downtown um, during the week at Nicollet Mall, what is the greatest construction you've ever seen, with the land of 10,000 construction sites, every, you know, oh, you know the Barnes & Nobles is closing? I'm so bummed about that. Anyway, that was a sidetrack. You sometimes will see a street preacher down there screaming at people, telling them they're all going to hell, and a list of sins which they've added a new one, which is my favorite, yoga pants. Um, now I like Lululemon. I've been grateful to her for many years. Well, if I only known. Um, but I think that's pretty funny. But you know, there's that separation. It's that, that arrogance that we have to say that we have got something better than you. We have the answer. Now, loving other people, you don't love people by being an arrogant bastard. Right? Seems simple enough. Now, Jesus said some, some things every now and then that seemed to come off a little rough. But, you know, there were also times where Jesus realized that he said something that seemed rough and said, you know what? You're right. And your faith has made you whole. Or even Jesus' heart was changed because he was a product of his time and his tradition. And I'm thinking particularly of when the when the, the woman comes to him and says, you know, help me. And he goes, well, why would I come give give to the, the what is it? Yeah, why would I put out crumbs for the dogs? And she goes, well, even dogs get crumbs from the table. And Jesus is moved with compassion and changes you could actually say Jesus repents in that moment. 
But that's not stuff we talk about in, in Christianity normally, especially in, in evangelicalism, which I grew up in. You know, Jesus was, everything he did was perfect and great. Um, so you start to look at the Bible and realize that it's, it, it, it's not an instruction book. I want to go further a little bit and get to Romans 3. I'll tell you what, though, when I was evangelical, a little more evangelical, and I would preach this talk to the, do this sermon, oh my gosh. It was a little like, a little, little, little legalistic, but it was so much better. I go save by grace, not by works. So go out there and do good. You know, I mean, I was really. It's always it was always easier when I was sure. Now that I'm like, eh, you know, read too much. Paul Tillich hung out with Peter Rollins too much. All these guys who love their doubt and their questioning, and you go, oh. I liked it better when I didn't doubt and question. <laughs> you know, it was a little more solid ground. I was like, nope, you're going to hell. I'm not. That's great. Perfect. Oh, that's a slippery slope. You're on a slippery slope. I'm not. Fantastic. You know? I mean, I can remember sitting at tables in bars with friends and thinking like, well, at least I'm not them. You know? Now I'm like, oh, I wish I was them. You know, if I could learn to how to drink properly. Um, something I was never very good at. Romans 3, uh, 23. Since all have sinned and all fallen short of glory of God, they are now justified by grace as a gift through the redemption that is Christ Jesus. Okay, do you see that? All of a sudden, again, this is Paul. I'm jumping back from Paul and then to the, from the Gospels to Paul because I want to show you that, that there's, there's this th- common thread of grace and acceptance that is in the Bible. And I used to think that you couldn't find it in the, in the uh, Gospels as much as you could through Paul. But I read Paul and then I read the Gospels again and it became clear to me that there was actually really good news you know, like holy smokes. Jump, I'm going to jump down, which I hate to do, but for time's sake, because I don't want to go forever. 27 says, uh, then what becomes of boasting? So Paul was a bit of a, you know, said the same things over and over again as well in different books, in different letters. This is a letter. You know, the Bible is a collection of books, a collection of letters. It's like a library. It's not like a manual (laughs) or a constitution. (laughs) You know, it's a collection of books and letters. And if you have a collection of books and letters, they're not always going to agree. You know, it's, it's not perfect. That's something else that used to scare me. And I used to feel better than other people when they would be like, Bible's not perfect. I remember somebody gave me this book about the Bible not being perfect, and I was like, 
Oh my, I wrote red flags all through the book. I literally drew little red flags. And I remember going back years later and reading this book and laughing, thinking like, this is nothing. Like, this is like, this is like, like I thought this was like this ultra weird conspiracy. And now I'm like, I agree with this and beyond. But, uh, you know, I was like, oh, what contradictions in the Bible? It cannot be. <laughs> this is the sacred word handed down from God with manna from heaven. Um, if you don't laugh, you cry. Too much suffering in this world for us to be so hung up on so many of these things. Then what becomes of boasting? Is it excluded? Um, then what becomes of boasting? Question mark. It is excluded. By what law? By there are by works? No, but by the law of faith. For we hold that a person is justified by faith apart from works prescribed by the law. Now, further it goes on and says, well, can we forget about the law? It says, of course, not only when we have faith do we fulfill the law, but the fulfilling the law and through faith is loving your neighbors, being kind to one another. Um, so sin, I want to read a little bit more about sin and then we're going to shut this thing down. I should like to suggest another word to you, not as a substitute for the word sin, but as a useful clue in the interpretation of the word sin. Separation. Separation is an aspect of the experience of everyone. Perhaps the word sin has the same root as the word asunder. In any case, sin is separation. To be in the state of sin is to be in the state of separation. And separation is threefold. Now listen to this, this is good. There is separation amongst individual lives, which is us, in our own lives and our relationships. There's separation from separation of man from himself. They only used male pronouns in books in the 60s for some reason. Um, but there's separation of humans from ourselves. Man, I feel that on strong. You know, I get in like the right depressed moment and you're just getting that dark night of the soul and I don't know who I am anymore. I don't want to live anymore. I want separation from myself. And separation of all men from the ground of being. Now what is the ground of being? For, for, for Paul Tillich, the brown, ground of being was God. Because God was too big to explain, too big to try to put into words. So he just said, God is being. God is the ground of being. Being itself. Which allows God to be much bigger than we often allow or want God to be. It makes, does make God a mystery. And, it is, and I'll read this. It is universal fact. It is the fate of every life. And it is our human fate for very special sense for we as humans know that we are separated. So, the idea is, is that grace says you aren't separated. Grace connects us. 
but we're going to feel that separation. We're going to feel that is what sin is. And the reason I wanted to read that was because when it talks about when it talks about Jesus hanging out with sinners and Jesus saying, I've come to call sinners and things like that, it's just easy to gloss over that and think of a group of people. But it's another thing to think of us and our own separation from each other, from our own lives, and that from our ground of all being, from God as we know it. Know it. So, grace says, you are accepted. And one of the things that's funny for me is, it's not funny actually at all, because sin is such a strange word, but we all have a tendency to screw things up. We're all broken. I mean, just look at the planet, look at politics, look at, you know, we, I didn't want to use, what was the word I was, trying to think of the other day. Let's just think we screwed things up. We, can, we have a tendency to screw things up or F things up. Um, we've made a list of regulation, regulations of how to live as a sin and not sin, but that's not what it is, as it said here. But I struggle with expectations. Sometimes I get tricked into believing that this grace is for everyone but me. And that's a trick in the separation. That's the great separation that somehow I have done, somehow I don't deserve it. But it's saying you don't deserve it. It's saying it's a free gift. You don't all fall short. All sin, all fall short of God's standard. But yet God in His gracious kindness declares us not guilty. Grace is free. You are accepted. Accept that you are accepted. I have the hardest, damnedest time doing that lately. And it has nothing to do with what I would have thought of in the past as sin. You know, it has more to do with why am I so depressed? Why can't I be happy? Why do I hurt so much? You know, why, do I, why did I make this decision? Why did I forget to fill out this form on my taxes so now I owe more taxes? I'm such a piece of crap because I owe this much money, you know, when I shouldn't have. It could have all been taken out in my paycheck. You know what I'm saying? But for some reason, little things like that, grace isn't good enough for me. And I had a, had a therapist look at me and go, what do you preach about? grace and God's unconditional love and and she said well certainly doesn't seem like you have that for yourself so this wasn't some great like I was reading the word and it just came to me no it was the therapist going you know well you don't even buy what you're selling somehow you think you're the exception to the rule what would you tell someone else who came to you and had these very same issues now, there's a lot of other worse stories I could tell than forgetting to put a number on my, the right number on my tax stuff. <laughs> but I'll keep those to myself for now. I've got to have something for next week. 
keep you coming back. It gets juicier. Um, so it's hard to accept you're accepted. So this is this is this is my my hope and my prayer is that God grants me the grace to be honest with myself and others and to accept myself and others. That's the goal. That's the goal of this church. Why I've been doing revolution for 20 some odd years. Man, I try to stop doing this thing and it just won't stop. Keep coming back. And uh now we're back in this room again. Uh, Minnesota is a strange place. Just like sin is a strange word, Minnesota is a strange place. But we'll still be here recording when you're all at the lakes and the cabins. <laughs> the weather was nice. I was so happy when the nether weather wasn't that nice today. I was like, oh, there is a God. My first summer here when doing the church, all of a sudden I was like, why is there nobody here? You know, later in the summer, and I'm like, everybody's like, oh, they're at the lake. I'm like, which lake? <laughs> or they at the cabin. I'm like, that's a huge cabin. <laughs> but uh, we'll leave the light on for you. So thanks for coming. I hope today you get something out of that. Um, it's my heart, my soul. And Revolution is here to let you know that you are accepted. And uh, I'm on that journey with you, struggling to find it myself. I'm going to say a quick prayer. Lord, I thank you for your grace and your mercy, for your acceptance. Um, may we know how to, to move through the, the mysteries of life and the hardships of life and have that grace and that acceptance carried with us. And may it be a reminder to us in those moments of doubt, loneliness, and pain. Amen.